to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 195. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will pick up on 2 Samuel chapter 2 and on, talking about David. So to set the stage, Saul, who was the king before David and was jealous of David and chased David and harassed him, is now dead. So um, it would seem that, okay, everything's going to be great for David, right? No, it's never always great for David. Uh, a civil war ensues, which is described uh, beginning in uh, chapter 2. And uh, chapter 3 is really where the, 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 uh, the war begins. Well, chapter 2 and chapter 3. You can read about that if you like. Don't know if there's a lot of doctrine in there. So uh, fi finally, in uh, chapter 5, David is victorious in this civil war and becomes the king of all of Israel. And we are told in chapter 5, verse 4, if you're keeping score, it says, David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years seven years and six months in Hebron over Judah, because he was king of only Judah for, for those seven years and six months, and then 33 more years in Jerusalem over all Israel and Judah. Israel and Judah, meaning all 12 tribes combined. So pretty long reign of kings, uh, of being a king. Anyway, so great. So he has won the Civil War, but remember we said in the last session that uh, the people of Israel were still embroiled in an ongoing conflict with the Philistines. Now David's way of uh, getting ready for battle with the Philistines is a little different than Saul's. David did one thing that Saul did not seem to care much about, and that is David was constantly praying. Okay, we see in chapter 5, verse 19, um, I think it's worthy of mention. It, uh, David is wondering, hey, is this a good time to attack the Philistines? And it says in verse 19, very simply, David inquired of the Lord. Might be worth underlining just so that you get a better sense of the difference between David and Saul. Shall I attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my grip? And the Lord replied to David, attack, and, and you, you will. And so he defeats them, we're told, in verse 29 of chapter 5. And who does he give credit to? Well, let's look on also in verse 29. He said, the Lord has scattered my enemies before me. Okay, but then the Philistines come back for another battle in verse 22. And so what does David do before that battle? Verse 23, so David inquired of the Lord. I might underline that as well. Just again, to see what does David do in times of trouble? We saw last time he prays. In times of victory, he prays a prayer of thanksgiving. In times of indecision, he prays. Okay, so that is why he is a man after God's own heart. Not that he was sinless. We've already seen in the last session. He has anger problems. He occasionally has lying problems. 
Uh, we will see other problems of his shortly, although not today. So what does he do before this uh, second battle with the Philistines? David inquired of the Lord, verse 23. And um, the Lord gives him a strategy to win. And so what does David do with that strategy? Verse 25 of chapter 5, David obeyed the Lord's command. So he doesn't just talk to God, he does what he's told. And that's what we're supposed to do too, right? So uh, it's not just faith alone, it's action that, that we take based on the faith that we have. It's not faith alone, it's faith and works. All right, cooperating with God's grace. Okay, now we get to chapter six. And this is a very Marianist chapter. And you're going to say, how can that be? This is the Old Testament. Well, it uh, talks about David's efforts to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Because, you know, he's he's got this Ark, you know, he's he's defeated the, the Philistines. He's got this, this Ark. And he's supposed to bring it back to Jerusalem. So here you're going to need to do some heavy underlining here. I'm going to show you how the Ark of the Covenant strongly prefigures Mary. What was the most holy object in the Old Testament? It was the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the people brought it before any battle that they would fight. Um, the, the, uh, the, 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 um, it was the most holy thing. It contained what? As we've said before, contained the word of God in the form of the Ten Commandments, contained the authority of God in the form of Aaron's uh, rod, and it contained the bread of life, which was the manna, the jar of manna that's stored in the Ark of the Covenant. And as we have already said, uh, Mary's womb contained what? The word of God, Jesus, the, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Contained the authority of God. Jesus said, you know, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And contained the bread of life, not manna, but Jesus himself, who said, I am, I am the bread of life. Okay, so uh, that as background, let's dive into chapter six and have your crayons ready to underline stuff. So he's going to bring this, this Ark of the Covenant back. Verse three, the Ark of God was placed on a new cart and taken away, um, you know, and Uzzah and uh, another guy guided the cart. Now, let's back up. How was the Ark supposed to be carried? It was supposed to be carried. Remember, there were poles that were supposed to be, um, they were supposed to be carried on poles, right? You weren't supposed to touch the ark. So next to verse three, I want you to write Numbers chapter four, verse 15. And if you want to make a further note after you write Numbers chapter four, verse 15, um, these are instructions regarding the ark and the construction of the ark and the move of, moving of the ark and all that. And per Numbers 4.15, chapter 4, verse 15, if you touch the ark, you will die. So was the ark supposed to be brought on carts at all? No. But let's assume for the moment that they started out carrying the ark 
with the poles, you know, a pole on the left and a pole on the right, and the rings that were attached to the ark. And they were, let's assume they were doing it the right way. But probably at some point they said, hey, you know, wouldn't it be easier if we just put this on an ark? So let's assume they did that properly and they at least they weren't supposed to put it on the on the uh, uh, on a cart at all, but let's assume that they still didn't touch it with human hands and instead used the uh, used the um, you know the poles. Okay, but David should have known this, right? I mean, he's a man after God, and uh, so it was known by David, or at least should have been known by David. Yet, don't touch the ark. But nonetheless, it's in a cart. Nobody's touched it yet. Well, it seems that they're going around a curve or something. And it says, um, verse 6, Uzzah, a guy who is along for the on, on this journey back to Jerusalem, um, the Uzzah reached out his hand to the ark of God and steadied it, for the oxen were making it tip. But the Lord was angry with Uzzah. God struck him on that spot, and he died there before God. Now, that sounds kind of mean to us, right? I mean, looks like he's trying to save the Ark of the Covenant. But he should know there are some things you just don't touch. And here I am going with my first Marian reference. God struck Uzzah dead instantly because he dared to touch the precious Ark which was the most holy thing in the Old Testament. So uh, Mary herself was not supposed to be touched in terms of the sexual uh, use of the word um, during her life. And we as Catholics recognize her to be uh, untouched, uh, a, a perpetual virgin, virgin, not just the version, not just a virgin, uh, at the time that uh, Christ was conceived, but for all time, okay? And some of our Protestant brethren do not uh, believe that. You know, they say, well, Jesus had brothers. We've already talked about Jesus and his brothers, okay? So we're not going to go into that except to remind you that there was no word for uh, for cousin in the Aramaic language. So every male relative that wasn't your father would be called, you know, like a brother. Okay, we've already covered that, so we're not going to go over that again. But we're going to see that uh, you just, okay, you, you know, the parallels between Mary and the Ark of the Covenant. Probably done this before when we covered uh, Luke there. But be that as it may, okay, so you don't touch Mary, as, and you don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. So that's one com comparison, right? All right, moving on. David was disturbed because the Lord had vented his anger on Uzzah. David probably felt guilty because he thought, hey, maybe Uzzah wasn't very knowledgeable about Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. So it's really my fault for per permitting this. Okay. And David feared the Lord that day and said, how can the Ark of the Covenant come to me? Okay. He said this in... Uh, uh, you might want to, uh, you will want to underline this. Second Samuel chapter six, verse nine. David feared the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? 
You know, I mean, I screwed up and yet I still have the ark. Well, uh, what about Elizabeth asking Mary, why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Does that sound familiar? So next to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9, write Luke chapter 1, verse 43. So now you've got two things going on. You know, you've got the don't touch the ark, don't touch Mary, and you've got the uh, how can this come to me, whether it's the ark or Mary. You've got that comparison. Okay, moving on. Uh, David didn't want, uh, you know, he, 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 he thought, gee, you know, I really screwed up. I don't deserve to have uh, the ark brought to Jerusalem, you know, the city of, of David yet. Um, so he brought it to a, a man outside, um, outside of uh, the, the holy city, uh, a man named Obed-Edom. Don't worry about that. But I do want you to underline verse 11, the part of the verse. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for, for three months. So I want you to underline with your crayon in verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained for three months. Okay, where am I going with that? Okay, so the ark of the covenant spent three months, um, uh, you know, at, at a place that was not its ultimate home. Now, how long did Mary spend in the house of uh, her cousin Elizabeth? Mary spent three months in the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 40. Okay, so hopefully you'll write that in your margins as well. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So the three months is another parallel. So you're saying, well, Jim, okay, there's a few coincidences in here. What about, uh, uh, you know, is, is that the end? Is that the end of the story? By the way, uh, also remember that the in the Old Testament ark, going back to uh, Exodus chapter 40, a cloud of glory covered the tabernacle and it kind of overshadowed the, uh, the tabernacle there, right? Um, well, in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it's, it says, the power of the Most High will what? Overshadow you, Mary. So we've got another, another thing going on there. Um, then uh, we see that uh, David, you know, he comes into the holy city and he's thrilled. You know, people are thrilled that he's got the covenant back and all that. So uh, verse 16 of chapter 6 says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter, Michelle, who will is uh, going to be uh, David's wife, one of David's wives, looked down through the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. So where am I going with this? Well, Next to that verse, next to verse 16 of chapter 6, I want you to write Luke chapter 1, verse 44. And we see that John the Baptist leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb when Mary arrived. 
Then, of course, we also have the comparison of the Old Test uh, of the uh, Ark of the Covenant and Mary in the book of Revelation at the end of Revelation chapter 11 and at the beginning of Revelation chapter 12. They're, they're both uh, mentioned in tandem there. I talked more about that when we covered Revelation. So bottom line is um, the holiest thing in the, the holiest uh, non-divine thing in the Old Testament was the Ark of the Covenant and the holiest non-divine person in the New Testament is Mary. Okay, so that is a lot for, uh, you know, for one chapter there, but a lot of comparisons. Okay, so we need to, we need to think about uh, Mary um, probably more often than, than we do, uh, particularly if you happen to be a Protestant, you know, I mean, at Christmas time, uh, when you, when you have your, uh, little Christmas scene in your front yard, you, you take Mary out of the attic, dust the, the, uh, you know, dust her off a little bit and you put her outside for a nativity scene. Then after Christmas, she gets shoved back in the, uh, in the attic and we don't think about her. But she is our second mother. We all have a biological mother. We all have Mary as our mother. And I think I've told you the story before about how uh, my father-in-law was brought to Christ uh, through, through Mary. So I won't repeat that also in the interest of time. But it's something, I think, for us to, uh, to consider. That said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for these chapters that we looked at today, and we're reminded once again that David, though, though uh, a person of many faults, gives us an example of what to do when we're in trouble, when we succeed, when we fail, when we're wondering what our next course of action would be. We see that above all, he was a man of prayer. And so we ask you to uh, give us the graces and the strength to be better people of prayer. We don't pray enough. And, um, you know, we, we just want a, a stronger relationship with you. And we can't have that relationship unless we have a dialogue with you. So uh, help us to pray. Uh, help us also to reflect on Mary and um, how she can intercede for us as the Ark of the Covenant interceded for the, the Israelites in their previous battles. Um, and she goes before us not as one to be worshipped, she's not a, a deity, but as one who has paved the way for our salvation by her yes to you in, uh, in um, agreeing to um, be the, the mother of, uh, of our Savior, and also by her intercession. Um, we thank you for this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.